download the 670 KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Yes, it is. Welcome to a Tuesday. Welcome to the final day of campaign attack ads. <laughs> At least we hope it's the final day for well, a little while anyway. Final day for a, a, a week, maybe. <laughs> Eventually, they'll, they'll start them up for November, too. Yeah, um, hopefully they'll take a little bit of a, a, a rest, we, we hope, anyway. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Phone lines are open this morning. It is primary day. If you would like to uh, weigh in with your thoughts on the election... Please feel free. Final chance to be able to do that today. Um, also, some uh, important information having to do with uh, elections today. You are being asked to please check your polling places before you head out to the election. Because please end up at the right one. Almost every polling place has cho- changed this year due to realignment. We have lived in our house about 20 years now, and... Uh, about the first 16 or so years, we had the exact same polling place every time. You could just really count on it. Yeah. And then for about five years in a row, we had a different one every year. Um, you got a different one this year? Uh, yeah, I think checked? we do. Come to think of it. <laughs> we're, act- we're back up to the one we, were, we had about four years ago. Fortunately, it's considerably closer to our house. Keep in mind, if you go to the wrong polling location, you will be turned away. So they won't let you vote there just because you didn't know that this wasn't your same polling location as it was the last time you voted. Gotcha. Um, once again, this goes all because of statewide redistricting. Canyon County spokesperson Joe Decker emphasized that polling places are precinct-specific, that people will be turned away. As I just mentioned, they try voting at the wrong spot. If you are looking to find out where to go to vote in Ada County, go to adacountyelections.com forward slash where to vote. You'll just put in your address and it will tell you where to go. <laughs> Canyon County. So it'll tell you where to go vote. Yeah. Yes. Well, it might even tell you where to go. Um, Canyon County polling locations can be found also online. Maps.canyonco.org. You can also uh, get uh, information on uh, voter and ballot information on the Lookup app. Polls open up at 8 o'clock this morning. Look up app? Look up app. Oh, look up app. Yeah. Okay, look up. Look up app. Uh, polls open 8 o'clock this morning and will be open until 8 p.m. tonight. Uh, for those of you who uh, want to get out and vote during your work day, they said just be prepared. There will be longer lines and more people trying to vote during the noon hour because of lunch, being off from work. Mm-hmm. And after 5 o'clock, those uh, times could see some little longer than usual wait times for voting however after five o'clock and before eight if if you get in if you're there to vote at eight o'clock you will not be turned away just because it goes to 801 I, if you're I there think, in line you will be allowed to vote i'm trying to remember if i've ever had to wait to vote uh in, Dur- in boise i don't think i ever have really i mean it, you didn't I, have to during the covid no um, I, yeah uh, I, did, I, I did during, during the during the covid we just sent in envelopes but yeah. We're, we're back to showing up in person, and uh, 
I've just never had to wait. You know, I, I showed go up in, in person and, during COVID and I had to wait. Yeah, there, we, was, there were long lines almost everywhere that uh, that hmm. year. It's always been fairly open, though, up in my neighborhood. And you usually don't see that many, that long of lines during primaries. I mean, they're expecting a 30% even though in Idaho, voter turnout. Even though in Idaho, this is the closest thing to the general election that actually exists. Yeah. 30, 30% is not a lot. 30% of registered voters is not a lot, um, unfortunately. You'd like to see more turnout. Mm-hmm. Because then it allows you to bitch about it after the uh, primary because your candidate didn't make it. or Oh, believe me, just because you didn't vote doesn't mean you can't complain. <laughs> this this is true, although you shouldn't probably, complain. Yeah, if you don't vote, means, you shouldn't be complaining because you're part of the problem. It probably means that you shouldn't, but it doesn't mean you won't. No. Uh, coming up this morning, uh, a little bit after 8 o'clock, uh, we'll be talking with Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck about uh, the election. If you have questions, um, he'll, he'll answer all those questions for us coming up here once again. We'll talk to him for a few minutes here on primary day. That will be coming up just a little bit after 8 o'clock this morning. Coming up at 8.35, um, first time since I've been here, and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to talk to the athletic director here on uh, News Talk KBOI. Uh, Mr. In your Mr. years, Mr. Dickey. Well, any athletic director, have you yeah, ever? Yeah, the, the last two, yeah. Did you? So uh, Kurt, it's Kurt been, Apsey and and before that, Gene Blameyer. It's been a little while since we've had uh, uh, an athletic director live on the air with us this morning, but Jeremiah Dickey will be with us for Bronco Tuesday. Looking forward to that. A lot of great questions uh, have for him. I know they're fundraising. He's got a grand vision for expansion of the. Uh, Albertson Stadium. I also want to get his thoughts on name, image, and likeness. Are they going to be able to compete? Oh. In other words, the college athletes making money. Yeah. Are they Are they going to be able to pay money to be able to make a dent in people making a decision? Well, I'm, I'd like to go to Boise State. I'll, however, I can make 20000 more by going here, so I'm going to choose here. <laughs> We'll get his thoughts uh, on on that and a few other items. Bob Beeler will be with us once again. That's coming up here this morning at about 8.35. Once again, primary day today. Our phone lines are open all morning long. If you'd like to email us, uh, you can also do that. Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Your thoughts on the primary, if you want to make predictions, they're not official, please feel free to do that. If uh, you want to talk about uh, some of the candidates, here's your final chance to be able to do that today, too. Of course, Nate will probably give you a chance to do that this afternoon also. I believe that every contested race will be won by a Republican. Because on the Democrat side, there aren't any contested races Actually, that I know there, of. There are a couple. Oh, there are a couple. Yeah, there are a couple. Well, so well, there know. there will be some Democratic winners. And who knows? There could be some Democrats that win in the Republican. Well, I'm sure that's a theory that uh, some of our listeners would have. Well, there there are um, the Democrats that are in contested races have all one time been Republican at one point in their oh, is that right in their career. Some of them have even run for Republican office before, but are, are now running as Democrats. So that's kind of well, interesting. If, we'll talk. We'll talk if more the Republican, about that. If the Republican populace didn't vote for him, they might as well try somebody. Just else. Try something else. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't win being a Democrat, so I'm gonna or Republican anyway. Yeah, Republican. Um. So anyway, we'll take your thoughts. 
anything you want to talk about this morning having to do with the uh, election. Uh, Idaho is just one of the states with primaries. I think there's four or five other states with uh, primary elections going on today okay. also. All right. This is the one we're concerned about, though. KBOI News Time is uh, 614. Time for our first check on what's going on with sports this morning. Brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Two locations for you to go. You can go to Meridian if you live closer to there. If you live in East Boise, head out to uh, Gowan Road, the old Quiznos location just off Gowan, um, and uh, get in for fantastic lunch or dinner. Either one of those two locations, find out why they were rated the number one deli in the state of Idaho. Good morning. We're going to keep it with Boise State this morning as the men's golf team had a rough first round at the NCAA Regionals in Texas. The Broncos shot an 8-over as a team and are 11th out of 13. They'll need to finish in the top five to advance, and they'll need to make up 11 shots over the next two days to do it. Coach Dan Potter talked post-round about what he wants to see. Just uh, an aggressive mindset. I I just want to go out there and, and see him. Have fun, enjoy enjoy the chance to to be in a championship and, and hit the shots that they're well capable of hitting and, and well capable of playing. Individually, Hugo Townsend shot a team best three under and is tied for seventh overall. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. By the way, we're expecting another update from Bob a little later on today on how that golf team is doing, so stand by for more on that. Meanwhile, no Mariners baseball last night, and there was no NBA playoffs. There will be two NBA playoffs games tonight, starting at 6.30, Boston against Miami. And the other is, of course, the Golden State Warriors taking on the Dallas Mavericks in the conference finals. I'm Rick Worthington. Day from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's election day again. 621, he's Chris Walton, I'm Mike Casper, 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We hope that you will elect to participate today. Uh, we were talking just as we were going to uh, break. Um, one of the contested Democratic races is for uh, Idaho governor. Oh, okay. All Democratic candidates for Idaho governor have been registered Republican Republicans. Is that right? Yeah. Um, they'll be choosing among uh, one candidate on the ballot and two write-in candidates for governor, all of whom had a history with the Republican Party. The only name on the Democratic primary ballot for governor has run for the office as a Republican Um Stephen Height of Marsing told the Idaho statesman that he has been an unaffiliated voter since 1990s. However, he ran for Congress as a Republican twice in Utah, once in 1986 and once in 1994. He said in March of 2020, he registered as a Democrat because he thought the party was most in line with his values. Hmm. Sandpoint Mayor Shelby Ronstadt, write-in candidate, hoping to secure the nomination, was unable to make the candidate filing deadline last month because he was a registered Republican. He said his past affiliation with the GOP was strategic. In other words, he was using strategery. (laughs) Which is a Republican word, by the way. A lot of people will understand when you're in a very red district, the elections are won in the Republican primary, Ronstadt Mm -hmm. said. If you want to have a voice, you vote in the Republican primary. I've I've known a lot of... uh of people who did that. They claimed they were Democrats, but they were registered Republicans because they said in Idaho, the, the, the Republican primary is where you choose who's going to have the office. So there he is, Ronstadt, using his strategery. <laughs> David Riley, a second write-in candidate seeking the Democratic nomination, ran as a Republican for the Post Falls School Board last year. 
and has said he will make Democrats conservative again. He lists pro-life, pro-God, pro-gun legislation as part of his platform and was reportedly part of the Kootenai County Republican Central Committee's plans to take over the state's Democratic Party, according to the Coeur d'Alene Press. Now, Ronstadt says he is the only true Democrat. Ronstadt maintained that he had changed his party affiliation through the Secretary of State's website last fall when he first announced his gubernatorial campaign. Deputy uh, Secretary of State Chad Houck, however, told the Idaho Capital Sun that the office has no record of that change. Hmm. Okay. So, so there you go. You have three Republicans that you could for, vote for in the Democratic primary. <laughs> <laughs> if I could vote in the I, Democratic primary. I, I have a funny feeling that all three of those use being a Republican as strategery. Oh, you, you think they're proud of it? Like, uh, hey, I used to be a Republican. Vote for me if you're currently a Republican. That, that doesn't make any sense. Not having, not knowing any of them or having a chance to talk to them. Um, I mean, you, 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 the, I'm, I'm David Riley, mm-hmm. the write-in candidate for the Democratic nomination. You look at his platform, and that is a Republican platform. How so? Pro-life, mm-hmm. pro-gun. That's mm-hmm. not something that, you know, Democrats usually are for. Well, believe it or not, there are a lot of them that are, but it, it doesn't... You very seldom see them running yeah. for office on Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it's usually a Republican who's running for those uh, offices uh, on those There, on those There platforms. are a lot of Democrats that don't feel they need to advertise uh, the fact that they're pro this amendment or that amendment. They just say... Hey, I do respect the Constitution, and that's all there is to that. I don't have to tell you which are my favorite amendments. Yeah. Um, you want to make any predictions on any of the big races today? Governor, mm-hmm. Lieutenant Governor? Little. Little predictions? You want to make a little prediction? Yeah, I'll make a little prediction. <laughs> about Just about the governor's race. Um, how about the Lieutenant Governor? I'm still undecided on that one. I mean, I, it's not that I'm undecided. I mean, I'm, I'm undecided about who I think is going to win it. Yeah, I, I, and th- that's, that's just this, this is our prediction, not who we are hoping or right. who we are voting for. Um, I, think, I think Little is my personal opinion. In, I think Little is going to win fairly easily. Incumbents in Idaho have a really good chance of winning, and so do people who are stepping from one uh, job as a Republican to another job mm-hmm. that they hope to get. Doesn't mean it's a sure thing, though. Ask Raul Labrador. I think Labrador is going to win. Yeah, that's my prediction. I think Labrador will win. Um, I think uh, I think Bedke will win over Giddings, but I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people think. Is that right? I really do. Based on on how many groups endorsed Bedke, uh, there were about they we averaged about three a day over the last three weeks. We'll find water, out. Water users, gun owners, you name it. We'll find out tonight. Once again, if uh, you're looking for some place to keep you updated on the primary election, we got you covered. We are your official 2022 election station. News Talk KBOI will be giving you live coverage between 9 and 11 o'clock tonight. Rick Worthington will be here in the studios keeping you updated with races. Uh, also, any of the news coming in from other primaries across the country that are mm-hmm. going on today uh, with some of the high-profile races. And then uh, Nate Shellman who heard there was a party, and he's never one to not want to go to a party, uh, will be at GOP party headquarters tonight. Wow, it's even going to be a Republican party. So uh, he will be uh, 
getting live interviews from some of the candidates who will be there tonight and uh, giving you updates from all the latest numbers that will be rolling in. <laughs> Once again, you'll be able to hear that on uh, both of our, our frequencies, 93.1 FM and 670 AM. And so you've got almost 100,000 total watts of power that will be broadcasting uh, these elections uh, once again in the results tonight. Right. So one of the only you, places you, you're going to be able to hear live updates is right here on News Talk KBOI. You will need some kind of speakers to hear that. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Want to make your predictions? Uh, want to uh, talk about your favorite candidate or a candidate you uh, don't think should be elected? going to give you a chance to do that this morning. It is primary day, 208-336-3700. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. 6.34, good morning, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Some free gas, talking gasoline, by the way. <laughs> We've yeah. got uh, $10,000 in free gas that uh, we're going to be giving away. Thanks to uh, help from City of Trees Real Estate, JMJ Financial, the Morell Group, Fulcrum Home Loans, Jackson's, and of course us here at News Talk KBOI. We've all teamed up to give away $10,000 in free gas, and it's our fuel for heroes. Whether you're a first responder, teacher, police officer, military, volunteer, parent, no matter what it is, you're a hero. And we want to say thank you by giving you an opportunity to put some gas in your tank for free. Nice. Now, this is going to be happening on Thursday, May 26th at 2 p.m. That's where you'll get your free fuel. And you'll get up to $50 in free gasoline for every vehicle that is driven in. So So not this Thursday. You can't tow a vehicle. Not this Thursday, but next Thursday. Next Thursday. Now, if you're wondering, gosh, I love this. Where do I go? You want to be listening to News Talk KBOI and the Nate Shelman Show next Wednesday, just after 5 o'clock, 5.06 next Wednesday, Nate will tell you the location of the gas station. Okay. So that you'll have uh, a little less than 24 hours to uh, sit there and make your plans. You'll have uh, 22 hours to, uh, 21 hours rather, to uh, make your plans to... Join the line, because I guarantee if you get $50 in free gas, there's going to be people in line. This is a leisurely pace. We uh, have done it in the past where we announced like two minutes before they open. Yeah. So you're going to have plenty of time to plan. Call in sick for that afternoon. You just go into work that morning. You go, you know what? I'm not feeling this well this morning. And then at noon, you you go, Uh, gas. Gas. There you go. Uh, And then at noon, you go, you know what? I think I'm going to go home for the afternoon. And then you go to that location, start getting in line for your $50 in free gas. I'm, uh, I'm not gas-free, so I'm going to go get some free gas. $10,000 in gasoline given away wow. for our heroes across that the is, Treasure Valley. That is several tanks. Yeah, <laughs> might be able to fill up twice, maybe. Once again, a huge thank you uh, going out to uh, Fulcrum Home Loans, City of Trees Real Estate, JMJ Financial, the Morrell Group, all helping to come together to get us the $10,000 in cash to uh, get the fuel for heroes once again. Next Wednesday, listen in, 5.06, Nate Showman Show. And then uh, Thursday, 2 o'clock. That's where uh, whatever that location announcement is going to be. Even Chris and I don't know where this is because we Nate knows we can't keep a secret. So <laughs> we don't even know where this we, location is. We have a tendency to talk for hours <laughs> in the morning without stopping. Uh, so once again, keep listening here to News Talk KBOI. 
670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 642, uh, if you were hoping to uh, watch... Kentucky Derby winner Rich Strike in the upcoming uh, Belmont or uh, Preakness Stakes, hoping not, that there was going to be a uh, triple, triple crown, crown winner this not, year. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Ah, it's too bad. Rich Strike, uh, who shocked the horse racing world this year, winning the Kentucky Derby uh, at eighty to one odds, um, is off the Triple Crown trail. Owner Rich Dawson announced that Rich Strike will skip the Preakness. Coming up this Saturday at Pimlico and aim for a return in the final leg of the Triple Crown, Belmont on June 11th, said that the uh, plan before the Kentucky Derby was to give Rich Strike more recovery time and rest and run in the Belmont or another race and stay on course to run with five or six weeks well, in between races. Whatever their plan for the Kentucky Derby was, it certainly worked better than anybody else's plan. So <laughs> I, would, I would go with what they decided. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say the same thing. So if you're wondering... Um, Epicenter, who placed second in the Kentucky Derby, it will be running this weekend. Third place, Zandon, and fourth place, Simplification. All will be running and expected to be the odds-on favorite now that uh, Rich Strike... I don't even know if Rich Strike would have run again this weekend. I wonder if Rich Strike would have been the favorite. Even though they won the, they, he won the Kentucky Derby, mm-hmm. I, I wonder... Because at eighty to one odds, I mean that was a shock by everybody. Sure, uh, I wonder if well, did that mean the odds were wrong, or, or that the horse was, uh, you know, just just had his most amaz- amazing day ever. Well, I mean, he had a pretty amazing day, and if you watch the race, I mean, everything for Rich Strike had to fall perfectly. I mean, horses ahead of him got out of his way. If you watch yeah. the race from overhead, it's just the, his pathway not... cleared. If the pathway doesn't clear, he's blocked and can't no. get through. He was not impeded in any no. way. No, so everything just worked perfectly um, for them. Now, of course, the odds, you know, based on, you know, who is who is betting on the uh, horses. So, you know, if a lot of people come in and say, hey, I, I think he's going to win the, then he could have been the odds on favorite. Yeah. I, I don't know if the odds were necessarily wrong or not. For those people who bet and uh, want a bunch of money, they would say the odds were perfect. Rich, <laughs> Dyke, Rich Strike, by the way, has a record of two. Oh, and three now in eight career starts, earnings of one point nine million dollars. Keep in mind, though, um, he won one point eight million dollars in the Derby. <laughs> so one point nine million dollars sounds like a lot. So, so you had about a hundred thousand before, and yeah. now he has one point nine million. One point nine million dollars. It pays to have a good day. And I'll tell you what: if he ends up uh, winning the uh, Belmont, I wonder if they'll be kicking themselves, going, "Gosh, we could have had a Triple Crown winner." And I only say. Triple Crown winner is especially good, you know, if, if you're going to breed the horse. Who, <laughs> if who knows? Yeah, I mean, they can they they stand to make millions of dollars if they do. So. But I mean, they, they make millions they more if you have a Triple Crown winner, or if you, I mean, any one of those races helps you, you know, when it comes sure. to breeding. But if you win two of the three races, or you know, especially if he wins the first in the in the last race in the middle, who knows? They could be kicking themselves, going, "Wow, we we probably left uh, millions and millions on the table." Or, or, or I mean, I, I think they made the decision for the horse. The horse probably doesn't run well if it doesn't have five or six weeks rest, and they knew they wouldn't do well in the uh, 
Belmont this weekend. Usually, so. the, usually the trainer does make the decision. Or the, the Preakness horse. this weekend, yeah. rather. KBOI Newstime, 645. Let's get another check on what's going on with sports. Uh, a lot of other sports happening this morning. It's brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli and Meridian, the place to go for lunch every day, lunch and dinner. They open up at 1030, Monday through Saturday, in Meridian and in East Boise. Good morning. How about some Boise State football? Well, kind of. Over the weekend, Khalil Shakur signed his Buffalo contract and even got on the field with the Bills over the weekend as well. Khalil Shakir finished his first weekend of minicamp with the Buffalo Bills. The fifth-round draft pick talked about what it's like adjusting to the pro game. From the way you get off in your stance to the way you break down. And for me, you know, it was just play fast before. Coming here and learning from uh, Coach Chad Hall and the way he's teaching me, this terminology and everything's a lot different, but it's stuff that I'm, like, happy he's pointing out because it's only going to make me a better player. I definitely noticed it right away, and, and I'm blessed to be able to learn that way. Shakir joins the Bills looking to make it in their receiver rotation. Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis returning, and Jamison Crowder signed as a free agent. There is a great opportunity for Shakir to work his way in as a fourth or fifth receiver for quarterback Josh Allen. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. We'll get another update on Khalil Shakir coming up next hour. Meanwhile, we can tell you that there was no NBA playoff games last night, but there will be two games tonight. The first one is at 6.30 p.m. It's the Eastern Conference Finals, the Celtics against the Miami Heat. Then the Western Conference Finals tonight, starting at 7, Golden State takes on Dallas. I'm Rick Worthington. And Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Coming up this morning, 20 minute, or uh, 8.20, we'll give you a chance to win a $25 pork belly gift certificate. If you answer our Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question, stick around. We'll give that question to start working on uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's time for the KBOI Medical Moment, brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho, featuring Dr. Jim Polo. Dr. Polo, good morning. Good morning. Doctor, as we all try uh, very hard to put the pandemic in the rearview mirror, new studies continue to come out that talk about the wide-ranging toll COVID-19 took on our physical and mental well-being. You have one of the newest to share with us this morning. Yes, that's correct. According to analysis that was just released a few days ago, deaths related to alcohol addiction in the United States were far higher than expected the first two years of the COVID pandemic. In fact, compared to previous uh, studies that were done eight years ago, deaths caused by alcohol use disorder increased by 22% in 2021 and 25% in 2020. Were some age groups more affected than others? Yeah, that's the sad part. Tragically, younger persons were disproportionately affected. So deaths caused by alcohol use among uh, adults between the ages of 25 and 44 were actually 41% higher in 2020 and 34% in 2021. So if people have questions about alcohol use disorder, whether for themselves or loved ones, where can they go for help or information? Well, the best person to always talk to first is your own personal primary care provider. They can oftentimes give you an indication of whether or not you might have some challenges or problems in terms of how much you're drinking and what you can do about it. Um, There's tremendous resources available online. The Idaho Department of Health and Welfare 
has a comprehensive list of all the resources that are available. And you can simply go to findtreatment.gov and it'll immediately uh, give you a list of resources to check out. On a lighter note, I understand we now have a more clear idea of how much shut-eye we should be aiming for at night. What is our target? Well, you know, it's interesting for most of the folks that are over the age of 40, kind of like maybe us, (laughs) the amount that has been shown to be optimal uh, is about seven hours. And that's what really, uh, really helps overall cognitive performance and, and mental health be at its best. Is the amount of sleep that we get, especially as we age, really that big of a deal? Actually, it really is. A study looked at the experiences and performance of a half a million adults between the ages of 38 and 73. And what the study showed is that people that got too much or too little sleep did much worse on tests like processing speed, visual attention, memory, problem-solving skills. In addition, those folks had higher rates of anxiety and depression and worse overall mental health. So it's really important to make sure that not only is the quality of your sleep real good, but that the quantity matters. And for the average adult, about seven hours is the right amount. That is the KBOI Medical Moment brought to you by Regents Blue Shield of Idaho. Dr. Jim Polo, thanks for joining us this morning on KBOI. Thank you. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. It was a well-planned-out heat crime, according to the Orange County Sheriff's Department and the FBI. 68-year-old David Chow, they say, who has lived in the U.S. for many years, was angry about political tensions between China and Taiwan, which is why he targeted a Taiwanese church delegation. Orange County Sheriff Don Barnes. He left uh, not a manifesto, but some notes that supported his, really, hatred of the Taiwanese people. Chow is accused of chaining the doors shut and super-gluing locks at the church so victims could not escape. He's now charged with murder and other crimes. During the course of his uh, arranging his assault, we located several bags uh, within the facility. They contained uh, magazines with additional ammo, four Molotov cocktail-like incendiary devices that he had placed around the inside of the church. Authorities yesterday confirmed that the deadly shooting, Southern California Church, as you heard there, politically motivated hate incident, Federal uh, Bureau of Investigation. That's not one that I would have expected, a Taiwanese church to be a a target. Has opened a hate crime investigation into the shooting. Apparently, the uh, shooter, Chinese immigrant, targeted the church in an isolated incident because of his frustration over political disagreements between China and China. Mm-hmm. In Taiwan. The biggest of which has always been the fact that they both think they're the real China. You know, if you have problems, why don't you go to China or Taiwan and take them out instead of taking out your problems here in the United States Yeah, against, against American citizens? Against people who clearly do not live in Taiwan. Yes. Police have identified uh, the victim who died in that shooting as John Chang, a congregant at the church, who was shot after charging the suspect and attempting to disarm him. His heroic actions allowed other individuals to subdue the suspect and hogtie his legs with an extension cord and take away his weapons. Mm-hmm. Chang was pronounced dead on the scene. True hero. Because as you, as you heard in that report, 
He had more ammunition stored around the church. Wow. He had Molotov cocktails stored around the church. He had chained the doors and uh, tried to disable the locks using super glue. This is not a crime of opportunity. No. Definitely planned out. And here you have two individual hate crimes, according to authorities, happening completely across the country from one another. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does surprise me, though, that a Chinese man would be shooting uh, up a Taiwanese church. I don't, I don't know why it surprises me. I just, I guess that's something I didn't, I didn't, I didn't expect. Because of the stupidity of it? Well, partially, yeah. Yeah. And I the mean, same, the other same thing, with the Buffalo shooting, yeah, the, thing the in stupidity Buffalo, of it. The thing in Buffalo was, you know, complete stupidity as well. But I've seen stuff like that before, where somebody goes out and targets, uh, like a white person goes out and targets a minority race. But you don't usually see somebody who's uh, Chinese shooting up a Taiwanese church, I don't think. In the uh, Buffalo shooting, there are going to be some questions coming up in the coming weeks and months. Because authorities confirmed that the shooter threatened an attack at his high school last year, but they have declined to elaborate on the specific nature of the threat. That incident resulted in referral for mental health evaluation, according to law enforcement. The incident was reviewed by state authorities at the time, but did not result in any formal red flag warning that could have prevented his firearm purchases. The official who was not authorized to come out uh, publicly said the suspect's parents were cooperating with authorities. What else can they do at this point? Keep in mind, New York, once again, as we mentioned yesterday, does have red red flag warning laws. It's interesting interesting to find out um, what kind of the threat. We don't know what the threat was made against the high school last year, but, you know, if, if that turns out to be a credible threat, how was he able, you know, based on red flag laws... Able to purchase if, weapons. Now, I, I understand that they are quite often uh, tied up by what a, what a school board will allow them to do or a, or a superintendent. But if you were principal of a school and somebody made a threat against the school, would you let them continue to come to class? No. He was evaluated for mental health. Like I said, I don't know specifics of the red flag law in New York, but I would um, say in this particular instance, for those of you who are pushing for red flag laws, it didn't work. Yeah, true. 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll talk more about this this morning. If you'd like to weigh in, please feel free. You can email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. Talk about uh, your money on the way here in just a few minutes. The Dow is up over 400 points this morning. But don't worry, there's 15 minutes for it to get back into the red. <laughs> we'll talk with Jeremiah Bates coming up in a few minutes. Right now it's time for a check on sports. Brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Check out their new menu, FatGuysFreshDeli.com. Good morning. Looking at Boise State golf today, it was hot and it was humid in Texas for round one. And not the best day for Boise State at the NCAA Men's Golf Regionals. The Broncos finished eight over par and trailed the top five by 11 strokes, sitting 11th. Two-time Mountain West Golfer of the Year Hugo Townsend is in the hunt to win it all, firing a three-under, putting him in a tie for seventh individually. Coach Dan Potter on his round. It's a good course for him because it's it's just going to reward quality shot after quality shot. He was able to get a few putts to drop on the back nine, but didn't feel like he made a, a whole lot of putts, but hit it well. He's just got to kind of go out there and, and be himself. 
To move on to the NCAA championship, Townsend would need to be the top individual not on an advancing team, and he is that right now. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. And by the way, Bob Beeler will have another update for us on Boise State golfers at the NCAA Regionals later on today. I'm Rick Worthington. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 721, he's Fitz Weldon. I'm Mike Casper. Jeremiah Bates with us this morning. Everybody holds your breath. Dow is up 400 points as of right now. Um, NASDAQ up, Standard & Poor up. Everybody is up. Uh, we just have to hold out for eight more minutes <laughs> before it officially opens. So hold your breath. Um, anything have to do with uh, earnings? I know retail sales for April uh, are out and it looks like they're, I'm, I'm a little confused on this. It looks like uh, they have risen despite inflation going on. So what exactly does this, this mean? Does this mean the consumer is brushing aside inflation and still buying stuff? Yeah, that, that's pretty much what that, what that report's going to tell you. And it, you hear a lot of anecdotal comments around this, around the strength of the U.S. consumer. And but we're seeing this in these sales reports, and we're we're also seeing it in the earnings that came out too for Home Depot and Walmart, which are kind of bellwether representations of how the U.S. consumer is faring and are they spending money? And the reality is, they are. So despite the high inflation that we're seeing, in my opinion, I think it's largely being offset because you're you are seeing high wages, but even though if you account for inflation, it's still not the wage growth that we want to see. Um, from a bigger standpoint, but you still have higher net worth. Uh, you got a wealth effect that's still there. So yeah, I mean, this is just confirmation that the U.S. consumer is in fact strong. And even look at Home Depot and Walmart. So Walmart, even though their earnings missed, you know, their stock is down in pre-market trading. I think it's down like six percent. So they missed on their earnings piece. But if you actually look at their sales, their sales increased by I think uh, it was like ten percent. Um, so you're seeing people spend money. It's just the difference between Home Depot and Walmart is Walmart or Home Depot is navigating these profits a little better, right? They're not beholden to Walmart's a lot of categories where they cannot pass on that high price to the consumer because their shtick is <laughs> having having low prices, right? Quote low Walmart low Walmart prices. So so. Even though the, the, the earnings didn't, didn't meet expectations, we're seeing that stock price come under some selling pressure. People are still spending money there. You're still seeing sales high. And in Home Depot, you're seeing that as well. Uh, Home Depot is raising their profit outlook. So not only did they have a strong quarter for the first quarter of this year, they're also anticipating strong quarters throughout the remainder of the year. So you're starting to see a big bump in Home Depot stock this morning. So, you look at the April sale, uh, retail sales report. You look at the earnings report from Walmart. You look at the earnings report from Home Depot. Pretty clear that it stands right now that U.S. consumers are, even though if you look at a lot of uh, consumer sentiments, they're saying that there's worries and they will adjust their spending. But based on these company uh, on these company earnings reports and the April sales report, it's showing us something different. They people are in fact spending money. Warren Buffett has been making some purchases on behalf of his company, Berkshire Hathaway, added a big stake in Citigroup, uh, according to a regulatory filing, also added Paramount Global, and uh, exited Wells Fargo. 
uh, added Chevron, and, and there are a few others. What, what does it mean to a company to get added by Warren Buffett? <laughs> well, I mean, he's the Oracle of Omaha. So anytime you see a headline of, of, of Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway making a big move like that, kind of the general consensus is, well, he's historically one of the best investors in, on the planet. So when he, when they show a big movement of funds into these stocks, it usually generates a decent pop. I mean, if you look at Citibank, it's up more than 5% in pre-market trading just based on the news, right? So, you know, Warren Buffett, like he goes, he goes and looks for value, right? And if you look at the financial sector, uh, this year, it's been beaten up. So he exited out of, uh, Wells Fargo, picked up some Citigroup. Chevron was a bit surprising, right? So, um, I I think that that stock has uh, seen some large gains. So you would think that they would probably kind of do an opposite effect, but, Clearly, they they see that Chevron over the long term has got some uh, possibility or some momentum there. He, he must think that gas prices are going even higher, <laughs> which they are. We've I think over the country, I think we're averaging four dollars a gallon across the board. So yeah, these, I mean the energy sector, I mean year to date has been absolutely crushing it. So if you're diversified into those pockets, I mean even though we've seen some dismal performance this year, energy has by far been the outperformer. Well, and yesterday it was announced that for the first time in history, every state in the nation. Uh, is over $4.50 a gallon for gas, and California hit $6 average for their gas yesterday. Yeah, so we're talking about these inflation numbers. That energy piece is, is representation representing a huge piece of it, right? And on the flip side, if you look at the past decade, a lot of these companies tied to energy, their profits have been dismal. So unfortunately, it's just the dynamic that we're in. Not good to see the high prices at the pump, but if you are in fact invested in the energy sector like your Chevrons, um, your Exoms, uh, companies like that, your portfolio is holding up quite well probably. Well, maybe you can get some of that money back. What was it, Shell, in, uh, a year ago announced they lost $20 billion. <laughs> now, the, now they're making uh, a bunch of that money back. People are upset because they're paying higher gas prices, but um, they forget about you know when they were paying people to store their oil just, uh, what, a little over a year ago when gas or oil went down to negative numbers. Yes. So, I mean, looking from the standpoint of these, of these companies, they, like I said, they saw some rough years over the past five to ten years. So they, I, let's just... They're hesitant and they're very happy to be showing some profits on their on their balance sheets, on their earning reports. Not great for us as we're paying historically high uh, historically high gas prices, and you're seeing these companies hitting record profits. But sometimes it's just the nature of the game. All right, uh, Jeremiah, it's it's looking more and more like we're just a few minutes ahead. Stock market's going to open up in the uh, green today. Uh, we'll get an update from you in about an hour and talk to you again tomorrow morning at the same time. Thanks, gents. For your Google Play, simply say, hey, Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. While you're at it, just go, hey, Google, turn it up the volume. Turn it up the volume? Turn up the volume. Okay, that's better. Alexa, turn it up. That's all I notice when I have to say, Alexa, all I have to do is say, turn it up. She knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. I always say... Uh, increase volume. 742, email in, uh, Mike at KBY.com. Uh, no name on this. Says, I have to admit, I'm a little blown away that in both these shootings, after the initial investigations, the authorities have determined that both suspects committed their crimes out of hate. Two men gunned down as many people as possible, can uh, as they possibly can, and our trained authorities within 24 hours are able to establish the crimes were committed out of hate. Wow, I, am I impressed? I never would have guessed. Hate, huh? 
Perhaps there should be more severe consequences for their crimes. There actually are more severe consequences if you commit a hate crime. Hate crime by itself is, is this, a completely different charge. Is this the first time you've heard of hate crimes? Yeah. I, 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 I guess I'm, I'm not, I don't know what you're, you're trying to say here. Yeah, um, the, 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 each guy had a manifesto. Yeah. That he, they, they, they were admit able to, get to hold of. being a hate crime, basically. One guy said he wanted to get rid of all black people. The other one said he wanted to uh, put the hurt on Taiwan. So this is their this is their own words. This isn't through an investigation. I mean, it's not too hard to investigate and go. Oh, look, they wrote a manifesto it's admitting to hate crimes. Um, and there are, like I said, specific con- consequences if you are convicted of a hate crime. Um, here, let me read this. A person is guilty of a hate crime offense if he or she maliciously and intentionally commits an act because of his or her perception of the victim's race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, gender, sexual orientation, gender expression, or identity, or mental, physical, or sensor, uh, sensory disability. It's a completely separate charge. You, you, the person is going to be charged with murder, mm-hmm. with attempted murder, um, could be charged with terrorist activities, but... A hate crime is another charge that they will be charged against, and there are specific consequences, punishments beyond attempted murder and murder if you're convicted of a hate crime. So there are more serious charges uh, when you get charged yeah. with with a hate crime, and more serious that's, punishment than you get if you get convicted. Basically, of a hate crime. that's uh, how it works, and and has since they uh, uh, passed hate crimes in the very first place. So I don't know if you're just being sarcastic and just say they should realize that this is a hate crime. Well, it doesn't matter if they realize it. They still have to prove it in court. So when they eventually go to court, which they will in both instances, because both of these people are still alive, they will still have to prove it in court that it was a hate yeah. crime. You can't just, you know. So I don't, I, like I said, I don't know what you're trying to say. If you're trying to be sarcastic or or what, hard to, hard to tell from your email. It is 745. Let's get a check on what's going on uh, with sports. One final time this morning, brought to you by Fat Guys Fresh Deli in Meridian and also in East Boise. Get in today. Find out why they have been voted the best deli, number one deli in the entire state of Idaho. Fat Guys Fresh Deli. Good morning. Former Bronco receiver Khalil Shakir finished his first midi camp this past weekend for the Buffalo Bills. Khalil Shakir was taken in the fifth round by the Buffalo Bills. Many thought he would go earlier. I wouldn't say, you know, overlooked. I didn't really view it as like, I'm going to go day one, I'm going to go day two or day three. My thing was just give me an opportunity. So, you know, when people get to talking about a steal or overlooked and stuff like that, for me, it's like I got my shot and it's up to me what I'm going to do with it. So just come here, keep my head down and work hard every single day. Shakir gives quarterback Josh Allen and the Bills another option. They are hoping he helps them with run after the catch yards to improve their offense. Bob Beeler, News Talk KBOI. Now, we all know what kind of athlete Khalil Shakir is, not only his ability as a receiver, but his ability to go up and make a grab. We expect big things from Khalil Shakir, whether or not the NFL does or not, is yet to be seen. I'm Rick Worthington. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 7.53, uh, reminder, Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck will be with us just after 8 o'clock this morning, after the polls open. Seven minutes from now, polls will uh, be opening up. Uh, We will uh, talk with uh, 
Chad Houck and uh, get any information, answer any questions having to do with uh, primary day today. If you have questions you want to make sure that we ask and uh, are afraid we might not, you can email those in right now. Mm-hmm. Mike at KBOI.com, Chris at KBOI.com. And then don't forget, join us tonight 9 to 11 o'clock here on News Talk KBOI for our coverage of the Idaho primaries. Rick Worthington live in the studio. Nate Shellman will live from the uh, GOP watch party as we keep you updated with the night's results live. One of the few places that you will be able to hear, maybe the only place that you'll be able to hear live updates on the radio tonight. You'll be able to hear the uh, 670 AM, 93.1 FM. We are your official 2022 election station. Once again, election results coverage tonight, 9 to 11 o'clock. Some of those results probably will not be in before we're done broadcasting at 11. And that means tomorrow morning we will be updating you on all the election results. The place to turn to is right here on News Talk KBOI. It's always the next morning after the election. There's there There, there are always a few precincts that are like 95% counted. And I was wondering, why didn't you just finish if you were that close? <laughs> um, uh, text message in 208-336-3700 uh, writes, in my opinion, any crime where there's bodily harm is a hate crime. Well. Uh, that that may be personally, you know, your, your opinion. Um, according to law, that's not necessarily right. true. It's it's a it's it's a legal term at this point. Yeah. Robin says, "Hi, Mike and Chris. The news this weekend of all the shootings is awful. Sad for all the loss of innocent lives. I can't help but notice the shootings for the most part took place in states that have very restrictive gun control laws on the books. People who have mental issues continue to get these guns even with them in place. We are missing the mark. We we don't need more restrictive gun control. We need to be." more proactive with mental health issues. On another note, thank goodness today is the last day for political ads. <laughs> yes, as, as, as Mike has been fond of saying. Uh, Bob writes in, uh, Chris and Mike, is there not hate in all murders? If you take someone's life on purpose, who cares what degree of hate there is in a person's mind? Are we to say you get more severe sentence than a normal murder because your hate was more than no- a normal murder? Except there are murders that are charged all the time that don't necessarily have anything to do with hate. Mm-hmm. If you kill someone while you're drunk driving, you don't necessarily hate that person, but you still get yeah. charged with murder. If you kill that's someone, that's not a hate crime. If you if you kill someone for uh, a monetary advantage, uh, you will get uh, convicted of murder. But, but, do, you, but do you but hate you, that person? But you won't get convicted of a hate crime. Yeah, hate crime is a legal term. It's not like, hey, my opinion is well, and this person hated this person. It's not necessarily murder or life sentences they're worried so much about with hate crimes. If if there is a more minor hate crime, you can still get a good deal of jail out of it because you're targeting a group of people simply because they are who they are, not because of anything they've done necessarily. Um, we did get an email back. Uh, it says, my comment was dripping with sarcasm. This was from the uh, email earlier because we couldn't we, tell what they were trying to say. If we it was so. sarcastic. Of course it was a hate crime. Please tell me of any shooting done in love. Once more, hate crime is redundant. Murder was committed and murder should be in charge. Adding more consequences in a hate crime situation lessens the value of those murdered in the non-hate crime situations. Should there be different penalties if you use a bat versus a car or a gun? Value is in the life of the person, not in how much the killer hated. Except we just gave you examples. There are times that people kill somebody, and it's not necessarily a hate crime, but they're still guilty of murder. Or manslaughter, if they're simply doing doing something reckless and somebody dies. 
Uh, Jason Weezer, we got about 30 seconds here. You got to be correct. Matter of fact, you know, Jason, we're up against a hard break here. I'm going to put you on hold here. Uh, We will talk to you here once again. We are up against, I didn't realize how late we were. Um, 208 336 pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll talk more about this coming up after 9 o'clock. It is 757. A part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. 806, she is Chris Walton, and I'm Mike Casper on the phone with us this morning uh, to talk a little bit about uh, elections. Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck is uh, with us. Thanks for being with us, taking a few minutes to give uh, some info to our listeners this morning. My pleasure, and thanks for having me on, gentlemen. So let's start off. The polls have been open now officially for seven minutes. Are you ready to make any early predictions? <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we are not going to predict anything today. Uh, <laughs> if there's one thing we've learned in elections in the last couple of years, it's to predict the unpredictable. Uh, we have had some really good early numbers show up. Uh, Stopped in yesterday to Ada County just to check on how operations were going there and see how things were rolling, see how some of the early uh, absentee returns were coming back. Not not the counts, but just the number of ballots that were there. And what we found out is, to give you a reference, in 2018, only about 8,000 absentee ballots were issued. However, this year, we're looking at more like 25,000 absentee wow. ballots that were requested by people. Um, of those 17,700 are already back in. So good absentee turnout coming back. Of course, those are all going through signature verification as they come back in, and then they go through a very meticulous processing uh, before they get ready to be tabulated later today. So you you uh, saw a huge increase, it sounds like, in absentee ballots. Can we trace that back to COVID? I think we trace that back to the primary that we ran, had to run 100% by absentee. And that really opened up uh, a lot of Idaho voters to the possibility of using absentee. There is a convenience factor there. And yet, on the flip side, a lot of folks still prefer to vote today on Election Day because they like the security and, the, honestly, the community of going to the polling place and seeing their neighbors and, and casting that ballot in person. In Idaho, one of the great things is both of those options are a viable option. So. What are the rules about campaign signs in Idaho? What do they have to do with them starting today or tomorrow? Uh, well, there are very few rules with campaign signs. The only ones that our office regulates is that they have to show who's responsible for them. Uh, that's the Typically, you see that as paid for by in the name of the committee and the name of the treasurer that goes on it. But beyond that, most of the jurisdiction actually lies with ITD because they're typically placed near roadways. Uh, they're not supposed to be obstructing. They don't have a specific deadline that they have to come down. A lot of people think that they do. Uh, so we will probably see them out there. But it's really a kind of a social pressure from the candidate on the candidate's behalf to get those off the streets and, and out of the neighborhoods as soon as the primary is over because you don't want your name still out there. Uh, win, lose, or otherwise, we've got time till November You'll probably see them come down, and then those folks that are going on to the general go back up here in a few months. So almost all the polling places changed because of redistricting this year. People have questions having to do with uh, where they're going to vote in person. Where would they go to most easily get that information? Well, you've certainly got that right. Ada County added 50 new precincts in this uh, in this particular election. 
just dealing with population growth and change as well. Um, you can look at your county websites to get that information. You can also go to voteidaho.gov and look your voter registration up there. You'll be able to see where your polling location is. Uh, if you have any questions, just make sure that as you go through the day to day, if you've got questions and you need answers that you can trust, reach out to the trusted sources of information. That's the Secretary of State's office uh, at voter, voteidaho.gov or to your local county clerk and your local county clerk selections website. We had uh, a couple of instances, at least a couple, of uh, violations of campaign finance reporting laws uh, in, in the run-up to this primary. What, what kinds of violations are most common during these? The most common violation that we see on campaign finance is definitely failure to disclose who's responsible for the ad, and that's where we saw a couple of fines issued. Um, another common one is clerical errors in the reporting, but they're probably a little less significant than the non-disclosures. Uh, we do process those as complaints come in, certainly, and try and get them turned around. But another thing important for people to remember is that campaign finance uh, violations don't go away just because a candidate does or doesn't uh, win the primary. We actually have about two years to be able to follow up on those on statute of limitations. So we'll continue working all of those complaints and making sure that uh, everyone's accountable for the for the actions that they took in getting to this point of the election season. We uh, here at KBOI, by the way, we're talking with uh, Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck again this morning uh, about the election. We here uh, have received numerous complaints on uh, campaign ads, commercials that run on our radio stations, and saying, hey, you have to get this off the air because they are lying. Now, we legally cannot take somebody off the air if they if somebody thinks that somebody is lying is that something that you guys investigate absolutely not unfortunately and that is simply because it has been determined we have truth in advertising in uh in the commercial space but when you talk about elections there's a very very firm line of that first amendment right uh for freedom of speech and there's just unfortunately in campaigning there's no truth in advertising so you really do have to be an educated voter. You can't believe everything you say, and, and there's a reason why uh, politics has gotten a bad name for all of the negativity that we see in campaigning. It's a very unfortunate, I think, personally, a very unfortunate reality of, of the space in the last several years getting even worse. Has there been any shift in party affiliation uh, just before this uh, primary? We did see a number of uh, folks move, of course, as a non-affiliated voter you can move right up to election day and we'll still see folks doing that today to move into either one of the parties um, most typically we saw moves to the republican party uh, we saw over eight thousand total voters shift over into the republican party uh, we saw only about 300 shift towards the democratic party primaries you mentioned security a little bit earlier and i mean with the talk of fraud that we've seen over the last couple of years people trying to push that um here in idaho um have we seen any fraud in the last couple of years and and how can people know that uh you know our election is secure here in the state well the first thing to be sure of is that in every election in every community in every uh every time a ballot is cast there's potential for fraud and and certainly we have seen fraud here in idaho uh, we've seen individual cases, and we take those 
process them, get them to the counties, they get them to their prosecuting attorneys, and they go through that process. The key that we're looking at is lately the conversations turn to large-scale, systemic, significant uh, altering fraud, and we just haven't seen that here in Idaho. Uh, we had a handful of cases that we were able to pick up on. We have a number of different systems in place that catch those voters that uh, make an attempt to vote twice or try and gain a second ballot, uh, try and turn in that second ballot, uh, both of which are different crimes, ironically. So we have a lot of processes in place to catch those. We do see things pop up, but just nothing in Idaho at this point that's been systemic and scalable. Representative Giddings filed a lawsuit over over uh, poll watchers saying that uh, there was irreparable electoral damage. Uh, where did that come from? Um, the, the short version of it is that we issued a directive defining and clarifying the different roles that poll watchers have, and, and the name itself kind of clarifies that it, a poll watcher is there to watch. They're there to observe on behalf of a candidate and give that candidate any information or feedback that they might be able to use at a later point to challenge the election. Uh, poll challengers are there to challenge voters and on the basis of their registration or whatever else they may have. You may have a situation where you know that uh, your next-door neighbor's husband passed away and he's still on the voter roll, so you would challenge that entrance on the voter roll. Uh, she was looking for her poll watchers to have poll challenger roles, and that was outside the definition of the uh, directive that our office had issued. Uh, she chose to take that to court, and the judge dismissed the case for, I believe the general premise was that it was the in, inappropriate approach that there were other remedies available for her. So it was dismissed before it was ever heard on merits. Chief Deputy Secretary of State, Chad Houck, thank you for taking a few minutes with us this morning, helping us out with information on uh, today's primary election. Much appreciated. Uh, before we let you go, I know you said that uh, you, would, you would not endorse any candidates. Um, I would like to ask you uh, if you would like to endorse a radio show, Casper and Chris, have people vote for us. Absolutely. Thank All you right. guys for having, uh, having your show and having information out there for the public. Well, we appreciate you taking some time with us this morning. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good day. I'd say we won't hold you to that, but we probably will hold you to that. <laughs> there you go. You heard it. He endorsed us. Vote Casper and Chris. KBOI News Time, 816. We'll take a break. When we come back, $25 gift certificate to the Pork Belly and CUNA can be yours if you can answer the Casper and Chris damn near impossible question. Don't go away. The night at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 824, Casper and Chris, damn near impossible question, brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, 208-888-4128 is their phone number to call, get help with real estate. We've got a $25 gift certificate to Pork Belly in CUNA, newest restaurant in CUNA, opened up just a couple of months ago. Linda is going to get first crack at her question today. Linda, there are only uh, two locations in countries around the world with mosquitoes, that, that without mosquitoes, rather. Faroe Islands, owned by Denmark. And this country, which is the other country where there are no mosquitoes? Well, I looked it up on the Internet, and it had a couple of different ones. And I'm hoping one of these is it, in Antarctica and Iceland. you got to pick one. You, you can't give us both and say, we get a pick for you. Okay, Antarctica. That is not it. Okay. 
Keep trying, Linda. Uh, Brian, which is the other country uh, where there are no mosquitoes? Brian, are you there? Hello, Brian. No, Brian? Yes, I'm here. Oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say Iceland. You're going to say Iceland? Well, I, I I think Linda probably helped you out, so maybe you want to get a hold of Linda and take her, uh, you know, to go out and try some pork <laughs> belly. Because yes, Iceland uh, hey. is is the uh, other country, and it's a bit of a mystery why, but it might be because climate is uh, both too variable and harsh for mosquitoes. They also have no flies and no gnats. Yeah, Congrats, the, congratulations, Brian. One of the slight problems right. with with the question, or at least her answer, is that Antarctica is not a country. Yeah. That that would be a specific answer because uh, Antarctica, obviously, way too cold for mosquitoes, but it is a continent, not a country. Yeah. Hey, uh, Brian, hang on the line. $25 gift certificate to uh, Pork Belly in CUNA is all yours for us. We'll be there in a couple of weeks, by the way. Next month, we're headed to the Pork Belly for a hometown breakfast. Um, I would highly suggest, number one, um, I don't care what you order, get it with gravy. Their country gravy. <laughs> I, I would drink that stuff out of a cup. It is so good. The other thing, the, the pork bites. Try that out. Their uh, pork bites um, are smoked for 11 to 12 hours. Then they have sauce put on them, and then they deep fry them. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and then this week, don't forget, Hometown Breakfast. We're headed to a Huck House Brunchette. We'll be there Friday morning. You're invited to come out and join us, 6 till 10. Great breakfast items for you. Uh, we'll also have David Spade tickets and Jackson Country Stomp tickets for you. Stick around. It's 826 on the way next. Bob Beeler is with us. The final Bronco Tuesday until uh, football season starts. And it will be a treat this morning. First time that we have been able to have Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey on the uh, show here on News Talk KBOI. We'll be talking with him for our final Bronco Tuesday um, of the spring. And that'll be coming up here in about 10 minutes. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler, on 670-KBOI. It is 8.38. He's Chris Walton. I am Mike Casper. Bob Beeler with us once again. This will be our final Bronco Tuesday uh, until fall sports begin. And... Uh, we make sure and uh, are finishing on a really high note. Uh, first chance we had a chance to talk uh, with this person today. And it's Jeremiah Dick, Boise State's athletic director. Jeremiah, thanks for joining us this morning on Bronco Tuesday. Uh, first full school year finished for you. You came in January of uh, 2021. So how was the first full year at the helm of Boise State Athletics? Well, first and foremost, good morning, Mike, Chris, and Bob, and I appreciate you having me on. Um, the first full year was uh, – uh, it, it feels like I've been here uh, for five years. Uh, <laughs> with with everything that that our team and, and university and, and society in general had to navigate this last year, um, I'm really proud of uh, our team and uh, and what we were able to accomplish. And it's uh, we just bought a house, so I'm grateful from a personal standpoint that that my my wife and kids uh, are are fully transitioned to to Boise in this community. So uh, I, I, an extremely positive first year, and really excited for for year two. What was the best thing about this year? Do you think? Uh, you know, we say it a lot. Win with people. I. I I really enjoyed our staff and, and how everyone, you know, showed up and, and, and 
you know, did the work. Um, there were a lot of days we didn't know if we were going to have a game or, or what we were able to do from a travel standpoint, recruiting and, and everyone just kept showing up. And, uh, and, and as a leader of a department, uh, that, that makes me really proud. Um, we were able to accomplish a, a lot of things on and off the, the field of play. And, and, you know, I think that's a testament to that blue collar work ethic and, and who we are as Broncos. And, and it excites me because I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Let's look ahead to the uh, coming year. What do you view as some of the greatest challenges for Boise State athletics in the uh, coming year? Uh, I don't know if I view them as challenges, guys. Uh, you know, everything's an opportunity, uh, and and my hope is it's a competitive advantage for us. Um, being a new AD, I don't have any uh, you know expectations. I'm, I'm learning as I go as well, and. And so when I look at, at what's happening with Transfer Portal and, and Name, Image, and Likeness and, and the Austin case and NCAA Transformation Committee and, and all of these things that are really outside of our control, um, you know, I would say those are, are huge opportunities for us. And, and how we're approaching them, I think, will make the difference, uh, you know, uh, uh, as we compete on a national level and, and really embrace this Power 5 mentality. and. And it excites me because they're, you know, we're somewhat defining our own expectations, and, and I'm big on that because if you don't, others will define them for you. And so uh, I'm really excited for what this year brings. What is your vision for the Athletic Village? So that was a, a huge announcement for us and, and spent a lot of our first year, you know, uh, getting our ducks to, in a row to to be able to launch that. And, and you know, when I when I think about the future, it's important that that we continue to improve on our service of our staff, our student athletes, and our supporters. And creating an athletic village uh, allows us to go out with a vision to our supporters uh, to ultimately sell it to them. And and whether that's that's recruiting potential student athletes or or holding on to the student athletes that we currently have uh, from a transfer standpoint or. Or, or improving on, on our fundraising. Um, it's going to take a team, and, and I think having that vision and, and an understanding that we want everyone within this athletic footprint and people are our greatest asset and it gives us the best opportunity to serve them, um, I think it's really powerful. You know, I know that it's not, you know, uh, some have said, you know, it's unrealistic, but I also know unrealistic expectations produce epic results. And, and I'm going to continue to say that. And, and so we're going to dream and, and we're going to put our best foot forward. And I'm really excited. And the feedback I've gotten so far from Bronco Nation has, has been tremendous. And so it, it sets up for a really successful year and, and future for our Broncos. Final edition of Bronco Tuesday. We'll have the next one coming up uh, as football season starts as we get ready in late August. Closing up with Jeremiah Dickey, Boise State's athletic director. We'll continue on the athletic village. What sort of the time is there a timeline, and and how do things how are things going to come down? Are you are you going to have to, you know, get with constituents, raise money? What what is sort of the the, the path to getting this thing done? Yeah, I mean, the the next step for us uh, is is to go through our feasibility process with our our donors. Um, we need to understand where they're at, and and ultimately they are going to be the driving force behind this. And so that is a huge next step for us. Uh, as I sit here as as our leader in this space, um, you know I have prioritized uh, the east side of the stadium and football in general, and and men's and women's basketball gymnastics in terms of extra mile, and and then the heart of our operations uh, from an administrative standpoint. We're bursting at the seams. 
Uh, I just moved, you know, uh, I believe 10 staff members up to suites in Stickle um, because we don't have enough office space. And, and so that's opportunity for us. So when I look at those three projects, um, that's where we really want to hone in on and, and prioritize our time, effort, and energy. Um, my hope is coming out of the summer and going into the fall that we'll have a better idea. Right now, costs are, are crazy with steel and concrete and, and everything else, and so it's not ideal to build. But I do believe it. It's you know uh, the runway is laid out for us, and and we are very much following a process. And my hope is during this next year we're going to have some big big announcements, and and we need to get these projects done. We need to put shovel in ground, and and I'm uh, I'm bullish on that. Um, I know that projects like this have been mentioned in the past, and and it falls to the wayside, and 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 for whatever reason, there's there's many reasons for that, but um, I, I don't operate that way, and and I want to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward and and delivering on on what we say we're going to do, and so I'm really excited because it, it it takes a team, and and the partnership with Advancement and Matthew Ewing and Campus and and our various uh, constituencies. Um, it, it shows me that it can be done, and uh, and that's my goal. What can you tell us about the new video board that's coming to the stadium? It's awesome. You know, I, I think, you know, I'm competitive, and, and so I saw San Diego State, and I, I, uh, their AD is uh, uh, a mentor and a good friend, and, and I'm a big fan of his, but they were promoting, you know, that they had the most square footage from a video board standpoint, and they had two, and... <laughs> And uh, um, and I was watching, and and you know, ultimately a week later, uh, we surpassed them, and and so it's a point of pride. You know, it's going to be a, a staple in this facility. It's going to lead to other opportunities. Everything we're doing is 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 trying to impact in a positive way the fan experience. You know, uh, adding alcohol last year and and improving on you know our concessions overall, which. Um, I believe is out there right now, and, and my team may get upset me for saying this, but we're now partnered with Chartwells, you know, and, and then adding video board and how we're really digging into augmented and virtual reality opportunities and how does that impact your your phone, your Wi-Fi, um, you know, the how you access and, and live, uh, you know, in real time, you know, our events. And, and we need to give people a reason to come to our stadium. So the six-game, six-sellout still holds true. Um, we need that. It's an expectation, and, and I believe in Bronco Nation. And, and we were close last year considering everything we had to navigate. So the video board is is just the next step of many as we look to improve on that experience. I want people in the stands. I want them in their seats, and, and I want them for, for all four quarters. Athletic and, uh, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. And we have to we have to continue to improve on that experience. Athletic Director uh, Jeremiah Dickey of Boise State University with us this morning. We need to take a quick break. We got lots more questions. Don't go anywhere. Once again, it is Bronco Tuesday. More on the way next. Now back to Bronco Tuesday on six seventy KBOI. Once again, Bob Beeler with us. Final Bronco Tuesday until uh, we get ready for football season. Saving kind of the best for last. A uh, chance for us uh, to talk with Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey once again this morning. Jeremiah, football season, I guess, just right around the corner. So uh, what do you guys have planned? You've talked about six games, six sellouts. So anything special? I know in the past there have been like some open houses for tickets. Do you guys have anything special coming up in the summer to uh, help people get tickets? Well, one, we're continuing to, to promote as much as we possibly can. You know, our external team, I'm really proud of them. And, and this goes back to last season. You know, before the season was even done, we were digging into all aspects of our game day experience. And you mentioned the video board. And, 
You know, we launched the Experience Blue Fan Committee. Um, you know, Bronco Nation is important to us, and their opinions matter. And, and quite honestly, they have a lot of great ideas that that uh, we want to to do. And so uh, that's been that's been great. We we picked 20 Bronco fans, and, and they were selected through an application process. So very much digging into that group and, and what they're going to able uh, be able to provide. Um, you know, doing more on our websites and 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 having a coordinated you know uh, attack so to speak from you know each area of our department and, and the right hand knows what the left hand's doing and then utilizing the institution to help get the word out as well we are we are stretching dollars and and we're we are not you know uh, we were we are not unlike any other group of five and and uh, team out there and so uh you know it, it's the there's an emphasis and and when i look at our ticket sales and and what we're doing from a, a, a group ticket sale standpoint, um, it's really powerful because uh, it, I, I don't know, uh, um, you know, if there's a limit on, on what we're going to be able to accomplish in this space. And so our sales are up. Um, Bronco Nation is is stepping up, and, and I'm really excited of what's next for us and, and you know, for football. And right. the goal is to always improve on that. You mentioned uh, that the fans and alumni have some great ideas. In my opinion, one of the greatest ideas was selling alcohol at Boise State <laughs> games. Um, how much money, now that uh, you've had a year of that, did uh, selling alcohol add to the uh, budget? Um, you know, the, the first year is challenging because, you know, we, we really weren't able to promote sellouts or ticket sales because uh, we were still navigating COVID hurdles and, and you know, uh, and for good reason. Um, and so the first year is not a good gauge, um, but it at least uh, establishes the expectation for our fans that, it, that we're here to serve and, and we're going to provide those opportunities within reason. Um, you know, yes, it impacts us financially, but not at the level that I think people, you know, uh, um, uh, fully understand. I mean, what's important to us is that we eliminate every excuse that someone has, you know, when they have that choice to sit at home and watch our game or, or come to our events, that we eliminate those excuses. And and, uh, and I think the alcohol piece and, and tailgating in general and, and having in-person events again, um, we saw the the fruits of our labors last year, and and I would expect that to increase uh, moving into this season. What is uh, Boise State doing to handle the uh, the right of publicity ruling, uh, the the name image likeness? Well, one we uh, we were well ahead of that curve, and and I'm 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 grateful for Mike Walsh and Joe Nickel and, and Nathan Burke and Cody Gogler on our team. Um, we've created this committee very early on in this process. And, and I would even go back to, to Matt Brewer, who was here before um, from a compliance standpoint. Uh, the goal was was to define our own expectations and, and navigate within the rules. And and so we did a lot of work. Uh, we worked with outside consultants. We worked with uh, uh, outside uh, um, uh, law firms and, and we're working with OGC, Matt Wild on campus. He's been amazing. And so uh, we really, uh, did our due diligence on the front end and we're able to launch some things very early on in this process. The goal is to have the most student athlete friendly program in the country. Um, you're seeing a lot out there in, in terms of, of, you know, how it financially is impacting and, and that's, that's fine. And, and I, I think, you know, that's the purpose behind it, but we have really honed in on, on how do we prepare our student athletes for life and how do we educate them through this process and what it means from a tax standpoint and an insurance standpoint, and how do we combine efforts academically with campus 
and utilize these opportunities to really prepare them for what's next. And and our team has done that. We've put out a lot publicly. We created a, a, a team uh, with Mal, uh, Mike Mike Walsh's uh, um, uh, leadership, and and he spends a vast majority of his time navigating this space with with sponsors and 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 our student athletes to make sure that we are effectively leading them through this process because there are a lot of pitfalls and uh um and we were just announced and, and you have to forgive me but i believe we were the only group of five of six the other five schools mentioned were power five uh, in terms of our program um we are getting national recognition for our template and how we're set up and, and ultimately how we are serving our student athletes and and we've had some success um, in this space, and and um, and I'm really excited to see what's next. Now, we mentioned earlier that that we're not sure where the NCAA is going to go with this, and most recently, you've seen, you know, them put up maybe some right. stronger bumper process. So, time will tell. But I feel like we are prepared, and and we have the platform to, you know, for Bronco Nation and others to utilize to very much uh, assist and serve our student athletes. Athletic Director Jeremiah Dickey, uh, thank you for taking some time uh, with us this morning. It's much appreciated. Maybe we can talk to you again when we get back to Bronco Tuesdays uh, in the fall. But thank you for taking some time this morning. Would love that, guys. Hope you have a, a great week, and go Broncos. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Good morning, and thank you for listening in to the show. It is Election Day, primary elections. Polls opened at 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, and KBOI would like to be the first to predict some of the uh, winners in the election. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wait, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take all the uncontested uh, races and <laughs> see what I can do. It, it is interesting to watch some of the channels, and it's like, we'd like to be the first to predict. How about, how about to be uh, the one to predict? correctly yeah or how about just the first one to report it correctly yeah Uh, that would be good enough um we by the way when i say we kboi and when i say uh we we use the term loosely because uh chris and i will be in bed um but we will be covering the elections live at our own uh, separate houses yes yes we won't be sleeping together um tonight uh, rick worthington will be live in the studio nate showman will be live from the gop watch party as we keep you updated with all the results that come in tonight, that will begin at 9 o'clock. Polls close, of course, uh, once again at 8 o'clock tonight. Our coverage, 9 to 11 o'clock for the Idaho primaries. And uh, as we mentioned, the live coverage, two hours, 9 to 11 o'clock. Anything that happens after that, we won't have uh, the results from all the races by 11 o'clock. So um, in addition to the live coverage tonight, beginning early tomorrow morning, we'll give you updates on the results of the uh, primary. And once again, this all comes from your official 2022 election station, News Talk KBOI. Uh, The coverage, by the way, tonight will be heard both on 670 AM and 93.1 FM. The only place you're going to be hearing the live updates will be here on News Talk KBOI. And we'll keep you updated with those results. Nate Shellman will have interviews with some of the candidates, um, and that will all happen during that two-hour period. And, so listen and, in tonight. 
if you, if you need more excitement, he and they may be slurring their words by that time. I don't know. It's it's a possibility. I, I don't think I I don't believe that uh, Rick were, will be. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, he'll be he'll be in the studio. And if you you know if you if you look at our vending machines, there is no alcohol in our vending machines. So I think we're pretty safe there. Well, there's mixers. Nate, on the other hand, I mean, it is a party. Yeah. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, remember, you can email Chris at KBOI.com, Mike at KBOI.com. If you want to uh, talk about the election today, uh, please feel free. By the way, uh, we talked with uh, State Deputy uh, Assistant, uh, Chief Deputy Secretary of State, uh, rather Chad Houck, a little bit earlier this morning. Uh, great interview. A wealth of information yeah. having to do with the primary. In case you missed that, uh, we're we're going to... It was such a good interview. We're going to replay that coming up here in about 20 minutes. I think we could have just asked him straight out. Now, is there anything you don't know? And he probably would have said, no, there isn't. He didn't see it. I mean, he had answers to every question that we asked this morning. Uh, So once again, if you have questions, um, one thing that we have been hammering away at, and in our newscast, we also told you a little bit earlier this morning, double check your voting precinct. Because there is a 90-plus chance that it's not the same as the last yeah. time you voted. And if you show up at the wrong one, they'll, they'll you know, tell turn, you to turn go, you away. They'll tell you to go to the right one. Yeah. So that'll happen. So once again, any questions having to do with the uh, election, we'll get to those coming up here for you with uh, Deputy uh, Secretary of State, Chief Deputy Secretary of State, uh, Chad Houck. That'll be coming up here at about uh, 9.35. Emails to uh, get into uh, this morning. Um, that have come in. Joe writes in, Mike at KBY.com, political ad spending for the 2022 midterms predicted to reach $7.8 billion. That's up from $5.8 billion in 2018. This spending once again proves the government is bought by special interests dominated by large corporations, wealthy donors, and dark money. The interests of common people are not included, thus leading to legislators consistently supporting special interests rather than the public's interest. The answer is to publicly fund elections and to eliminate lifetime politicians by restricting the number of terms. And our governance will be more balanced. Serving all, it will be truly publicly owned. If we're going to do that, let's do like a few of the European countries or Canada and limit the entire campaign season to two weeks. Mean only two weeks of it's attack a, ads? It's an intense two weeks, what? to be sure. <laughs> but say, one continuous two week long attack ad. But then it's over and you have the weekend. <laughs> uh, see, uh, oh, sorry, that's a wrong one. Uh, G- uh, Jim wrote in to say, Hey, broadcast boys, according to Janice McGeehan, who MSNBC's Rachel Maddow mocked yesterday, and, and by the way, I, I saw that she. Uh, he kept calling her McGeechan. Uh, according to Janice McGeehan, Mr. Little has imprisoned Idaho, and her election will free the state. That's in her final ad released yesterday. And, of course, she is endorsed by a president, not Mr. Trump. I remain hoping the electorate will trounce uh, Ms. McGeehan, thus releasing her to babble alone to herself. Ads, ads, please go away. Day is here. Or please go away. Day is here. One one more day. Yeah. As you, if you've been listening this morning, you still have the uh, campaign ads continuing to run. However, there won't be much point in any that run after eight tonight. Yeah. Well, I, I, maybe they'll get a great deal tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I get it much cheaper yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
another email, uh, Mike at KBY.com. I think Idaho is as involved in voter, voter fraud as any of the swing states. Zuckerbucks were accepted by McGrain, and now you say more absentee ballots than ever, even more than during COVID. And we have electronic machines that don't record your actual signature. There's no way to do a signature match with the scrawl they record. We need to reform our elections, paper ballots, and one day elections only. No absentee ballots or drop boxes. Your guest is lying. We use the cheating machines. I, I don't know what you're, I, I think he's referring to Chad Houck. Yeah. Lying. Um, no. He wasn't lying. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know what you, what you consider what he was lying about. We asked him about voter fraud, and you'll hear the interview coming up here um, on the way in about 10 minutes. And he, he said there is voter, um, how did he put it, election fraud in every single election. Mm-hmm. But they investigate every single... But he said it's never, ever been on a wide scale in Idaho. Yeah. And, and if it is, and it's, if it's the Democrats doing it, well, they're not doing it very well, are they? Because they're losing my question is, why do you want to do away with absentee ballots? It's because, I mean, that, that allows some the, people who are not real, allowed to vote to it, be able to vote. It's not the real absentee ballots that people want to do away with, the ones where you are a shut-in or, or handicapped or too old to make it to the, the polls. The, the ones they want to do away with are the ones that you just have the option, like, yeah, do I want to go to the polls or just send it in? They would rather that everybody have the responsibility to show up and vote. And I guess, I guess I get that, but I'm also, you know, for simplicity, <laughs> you know, for simplicity's sake, making it much easier. Yeah. Now, I, I you have said that you've never had to go and wait wait in line. Now, yeah. I I did. I had to pay, wait one time uh, in the last election, probably about 20 minutes of my polling place in Eagle. Now, I don't have the same polling place because I have since moved, but... I would rather have not had to sit there and spend an hour of my day voting. And had I been smart enough to do absentee. Yeah, the only and person. I if, if I, and I have done absentee in the past before, and it's so much easier. For years, the only person I've ever had to wait behind has the same last name and address I do. Uh, she takes her own sweet time, huh? No, I just let her go first. Oh, see? Rookie move. Um, this was a conversation we were having a little bit earlier this morning uh, about hate crimes. Uh, got a couple of uh, emails on that. Um, this one, Ron in Melbourne writes, text message 208-336-3700, says the arguments you're hearing about what should be a hate crime are due to the use of the term hate crime for a specific group of offenses. The crime has little to do with hate for the victim. That's entirely true, Ron. A hate crime is legally defined as a crime committed on a victim due to his race, gender, sexual preference, nationality, or religion. Thus, a crime based on hating an individual you actually hate is not usually a hate crime. Hate crimes should be called crimes of prejudice. This debate is an example of political debate using emotion instead of precise language. This leads to confusion and misunderstanding. And, Ron, I I couldn't agree more. I think that's the problem is, you know, we've had a a lot of people saying, in all crimes where a victim is injured is a hate crime. And I, I think that that is the misunderstanding, and maybe they should have called this crimes of prejudice, and maybe then then that would take away some of the misunderstanding. Because a hate crime, you're, you're probably right. For the most instances, if somebody you know murders somebody, it a lot most of the times, the majority of the times, has to do with somebody maybe hating somebody. 
But there are instances no, where they're, they're, it doesn't have anything to do I, with uh, hating somebody. A bar fight between two drunk idiots. Not probably a hate crime, just two drunk idiots. And maybe at that specific moment they may have hated each other. But it has nothing to do with being charged with a hate crime. If two drunk idiots get in a fight at a bar and one of them kills the other one, that's not going to be charged as That'll a hate be, crime. It'll be manslaughter, probably. Yeah, it won't be charged as a hate crime. Uh, hate crime, as you specifically laid out, and you probably do a better job of it than I did, um, once again, specifically due to race, gender, sexual preference, nationality, and religion. And it is a separate crime yeah. other other than it's, murder and it's, carries a different penalty it's based on uh the person you know who i murdered or the person who i hurt didn't specifically individually do anything to me at all they just belong to a group that i do not care for or i am afraid of or i hate yeah i mean individually and specifically the gunman in buffalo i would hazard a guess did not know one single victim no i don't believe he did either he wasn't even from there yeah so i mean he was 200 he drove 200 miles so how do you hate somebody that you don't even know well you think that everybody in a particular group stereotypically is all doing exactly that they all believe the same thing they're all doing the same thing and they're all doing it uh to you yeah so you're hating a race you're not hating a specific individual so that, that kind of maybe explains it a little bit better 208-336-3700, 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. We'll take a uh, quick break here. Our phone lines are open if you want to get through. You can also call us toll-free, 1-800-529-5264. Email chris at kboi.com or mike at kboi.com. Download the 670-KBOI app for your smartphone for free. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's the incredible stories of heroism coming out. Witnesses say after firing shots, the shooter was reloading. That's when the pastor hit the gunman in the head with a chair, and others grabbed his guns, and then they tied him up using an extension cord, hog-tied him, until Orange County Sheriff's deputies arrived a few minutes later. But six victims had been shot, one dying. Their um, amount of uh, heroism in that shooting in uh, Southern California um, you heard the the pastor there when he stopped to reload, hit the shooter in the back of the head with a chair. And that's, then, the, that's the only part of it I really would have liked to seen. You know, I, I don't want to watch all the people getting killed unnecessarily, uh, but I, I would like to see the uh, the shooter get conked on the head by the the preacher. We're not giving the name in either one of these shootings. We're not going to say the uh, names. I just don't want to give them. Any more publicity. However, I do want to give the name of one of the the victim, the one person who had died in the shooting in Southern California in that church, and his name is John Chang. He is uh, a congregant at the church, and he was shot after charging the suspect and attempting to uh, disarm him. Wow, that's terrific. Now, his heroic actions are what allowed the other individuals then to subdue the suspect and hogtie his legs. Unfortunately... You know, in, in this particular case of, of being a hero and uh, helping to get this person under control, he lost his life for it. Yeah. And then the pastor, as you heard in that uh, clip right there, was able to get to him and hit him in the back of the head with a uh, chair. And then uh, a group of other people were able to take an extension cord and hog tie him 
and subdue him until the police arrived. I'd like to know how big of a chair it was, too. I just when I hear it, I just get the vision of a, a folding chair. I don't yeah. I don't know if it's it was a folding chair. I guess I, I just assumed because when More I hear it, it's like oh, yeah. he probably picked well, up a folding chair or something like that. Hit him in the back of the head. It's, it's got to be one that you can you know have the ability to pick, pick up, up and swing. Fairly, yeah, yeah, fairly easily and swing. Um, Frank uh, writes in in regards to the Buffalo terrorist last year. He threatened to shoot up a school. Then for Christmas, his parents get him a gun. They must be idiots. <laughs> Mike, I'll if, go along with that. If your son's threatened to shoot up a school, would you ever give a son a gun at Christmas for a gift? I fully support gun rights, but I'm not a father. I don't know how this works. Are guns good gifts for sons or daughters? I have not heard that. The only thing I, that I had heard was that he purchased uh, the gun himself. Now, there were three guns found, but the gun that he purchased, the uh, the uh, AR-15 type gun that he purchased and used to shoot up the store was purchased by himself. Now, one of the other guns, I guess, maybe could have been purchased by the parents, but I had not yeah. heard that the parents like bought I, him a gun for Christmas. Like I said, I never put that much importance in where he got the gun because this is America. You can get guns. Mm-hmm. you know. And like I said, I own 12 of them. I don't usually use them, but you wouldn't even think I did, but I do. Anyway, uh, what I was going to say is what I, what I care about is the fact that he misused it and couldn't handle the responsibility, and there are a number of people who are like that. They just, uh, you, you, they can't be trusted with a gun. Now, this particular kid, I, I was thinking, you know, if I were the school principal, and he threatened the school in some way, like to come back with a gun, uh, would, would would he still be a student there if you were the principal? Yeah, I, you would think no, and not only that, but we talked about red flag laws. That's what the red flag laws are specifically supposed to do, yeah. take guns from people like that. And with mental illness, he was referred to um, a mental health expert after that particular incident. In his screed, he said that he bought the assault rifle at Vintage Firearms in Endicott, New York. Yeah, well. Now, the shop owner, Robert Donald, doesn't remember the details of the sale, but he said that the transaction did happen, and he said he would not have sold the weapon unless the buyer successfully passed the required background check. Which he could pass because, as it turns out, he had never shot up a place before. Uh, Yeah. Now, the, the sad part about this is since the massacre, the gun store's Facebook page has featured criticism from people who called on Donald to close down his business. He doesn't deserve to own a business. However, one commentator uh, said that all those who are blaming the owner, why? The owner followed the strictest and most stringent gun laws that New York has and the federal laws that require a background yeah. record check, and yet this person was still the owner did the exactly was char- yeah. what he was required he to do by law. He didn't do law. anything wrong. And again, like I said, who cares where the guy got the gun? Jeff. Everybody, M- everybody can have a gun. We, we don't want people to, to use them incorrectly. It's a tool. Jeff and Emmett, good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Hey there, how you doing today? Good. Uh, uh, curious on your guys' opinion on the ads running against, uh, I think, Giddings and Dorothy Moon from the Defend Idaho, uh, calling out white supremacists, uh, celebrating the war from Russia and Ukraine, and three percenters while endorsing Labrador. I'm just kind of curious what your take is on those ads. My guess is if you ask the candidates themselves, they would tell you that those things are not accurate. Yeah, I would imagine so. It's just <laughs> kind of weird that they're running those, those those ads and then at the same breath supporting Labrador. So I'm not sure 
where that pack lies as far as the, the best interest for Idaho. That was a good way to phrase that, by the way. Yeah, what's that? Where you don't you don't know where the pack lies? <laughs> oh yeah, no kidding, right? Jeff, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, more on the election coming up. We'll take a break. We've got news coming up here next. Today is primary election day. The polls are open. If uh, you would like information, uh, we talked with uh, Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck a little bit earlier this morning. Um, such a wealth of information. Anything and everything you pretty much want to know about the election today. Um, it was such a good thing. We're going to rerun that interview coming up here next. Um, a few minutes that we had to talk with him this morning. Um, but we wanted you to hear this because he is just full of information. Um, and we'll get to that coming up right after news. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KDOI. Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck is uh, with us. Thanks for being with us, taking a few minutes to give uh, some info to our listeners this morning. My pleasure, and thanks for having me on, gentlemen. So are you ready to make any early predictions? <laughs> I think it's safe to say that we are not going to predict anything today. Uh, There's one thing we've learned in elections in the last couple of years. It's to predict the unpredictable. Uh, We have had some really good early numbers show up. I stopped in yesterday to Ada County just to check on how operations were going there and see how things were rolling, see how some of the early uh, absentee returns were coming back. Not, Not the counts, but just the number of ballots that were there. And what we found out is... To give you a reference, in 2018, only about 8,000 absentee ballots were issued. However, this year, we're looking at more like 25,000 absentee ballots that were requested by people. Um, Of those, 17,700 are already back in. So good absentee turnout coming back. Of course, those are all going through signature verification as they come back in, and then they go through a very meticulous processing uh, before they get ready to be tabulated later today. So you you uh, saw a huge increase, it sounds like, in absentee ballots. Can we trace that back to COVID? I think we trace that back to the primary that we ran, had to run 100% by absentee, and that really opened up uh, a lot of Idaho voters to the possibility of using absentee. There is a convenience factor there, and yet on the flip side, a lot of folks still prefer to vote today on Election Day because they like the security and the honestly, the community of going to the polling place and seeing their neighbors and and casting that ballot in person. In Idaho, one of the great things is both of those options are a viable option. What are the rules about campaign signs in in Idaho? What do they have to do with them starting today or tomorrow? Uh, Well, there are very few rules with campaign signs. The only ones that our office regulates is that they have to show who's responsible for them. Uh, that's the typically you see that as paid for by and the name of the committee and the name of the treasurer that goes on it. But beyond that, most of the jurisdiction actually lies with ITD because they're typically placed near roadways. Uh, they're not supposed to be obstructing. They don't have a specific deadline that they have to come down. A lot of people think that they do. Uh, so we will probably see them out there. But it's really a kind of a social pressure from the candidate on the candidate's behalf to get those off the streets and, and out of the neighborhoods as soon as the primary is over, because you don't want your name still out there. Uh, Win, lose, or otherwise, we've got time till November. You'll probably see them come down, and then those folks that are going on to the general go back up here in a few months. 
So almost all the polling places changed because of redistricting this year. People have questions having to do with uh, where they're going to vote in person. Where would they go to most easily get that information? Well, you've certainly got that right. Ada County added 50 new precincts in this uh, in this particular election, just dealing with population growth and change as well. Um, you can look at your county websites to get that information. You can also go to voteidaho.gov and look your voter registration up there. You'll be able to see where your polling location is. Uh, if you have any questions, just make sure that as you go through the day-to-day, if you've got questions and you need answers that you can trust, reach out to the trusted sources of information. That's the Secretary of State's office uh, at voter, voteidaho.gov or to your local county clerk and your local county clerk selections website. We had uh, a couple of instances, at least a couple, of uh, violations of campaign finance reporting laws uh, in, in the run-up to this primary. What what kinds of violations are most common during these? The most common violation that we see on campaign finance is definitely failure to disclose who's responsible for the ad. And that's where we saw a couple of fines issued. Um, another common one is clerical errors in the reporting, but they're probably a little less significant than the non-disclosures. We do process those as complaints come in, certainly, and try and get them turned around. But another thing important for people to remember is that campaign finance uh, violations don't go away just because a candidate does or doesn't uh, win the primary. We actually have about two years to be able to follow up on those on statute of limitations. So we'll continue working all of those complaints and making sure that uh, everyone's accountable for the for the actions that they took in getting to this point of the election season. We uh, here at KBOI, by the way, we're talking with uh, Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck again this morning uh, about the election. We here uh, have received numerous complaints on uh, campaign ads commercials that run on our radio stations and saying, hey, you have to get this off the air because they are lying. Now, we legally cannot take somebody off the air if they if somebody thinks that somebody is lying is that something that you guys investigate absolutely not unfortunately and that is simply because it has been determined we have truth in advertising in uh in the commercial space but when you talk about elections there's a very very firm line of that first amendment right uh for freedom of speech and there's just unfortunately in campaigning there's no truth in advertising so you really do have to be an educated voter. You can't believe everything you say, and, and there's a reason why uh, politics has gotten a bad name for all of the negativity that we see in campaigning. It's a very unfortunate, I think, personally, a very unfortunate reality of of the space in the last several years getting even worse. Has there been any shift in party affiliation uh, just before this uh, primary? We did see a number of uh, folks move, of course, as a non-affiliated voter you can move right up to election day and we'll still see folks doing that today to move into either one of the parties Um, most typically we saw moves to the republican party Uh, we saw over 8,000 total voters shift over into the republican party Uh, we saw only about 300 shift towards the democratic party primaries you mentioned security a little bit earlier, and I mean, with the talk of fraud that we've seen over the last couple of years, people trying to push that. Um, here in Idaho, um, have we seen any fraud in the last couple of years, and, and how can people know that uh, you know our election is secure here in the state? 
Well, the first thing to be sure of is that in every election, in every community, in every uh, every time a ballot is cast, there's potential for fraud. And, and certainly we have seen fraud here in Idaho. Uh, we've seen individual cases and we take those, process them, get them to the counties, they get them to their prosecuting attorneys and they go through that process. The key that we're looking at is lately the conversations turned to large scale, systemic, significant uh, altering fraud. And we just haven't seen that here in Idaho. Uh, We had a handful of cases that we were able to pick up on. We have a number of different systems in place that catch those voters that uh, make an attempt to vote twice or try and gain a second ballot, uh, try and turn in that second ballot, uh, both of which are different crimes, ironically. So we have a lot of processes in place to catch those. We do see things pop up, but just nothing in Idaho at this point that's been systemic and scalable. Representative Giddings filed a lawsuit over over uh, poll watchers saying that uh, there was irreparable electoral damage. Uh, where did that come from? Uh, the, the short version of it is that we issued a directive defining and clarifying the different roles that poll watchers have, and, and the name itself kind of clarifies that it, a poll watcher is there to watch. They're there to observe on behalf of a candidate and give that candidate any information or feedback that they might be able to use at a later point to challenge the election. Uh, poll challengers are there to challenge voters and on the basis of their registration or whatever else they may have. You may have a situation where you know that uh, your next-door neighbor's husband passed away and he's still on the voter roll so you would challenge that entrance on the voter roll uh she was looking for her poll watchers to have poll challenger roles and that was outside the definition of the uh, directive that our office had issued Uh, she chose to take that to court and the judge dismissed the case for i believe the general premise was that it was the inappropriate approach that there were other remedies available for her so it was dismissed before it was ever heard on merits once again, big thank you to uh, Chief Deputy Secretary of State Chad Houck. A lot of great information there for you. Polls opened up at 8 o'clock this morning. They will be open till 8 o'clock tonight. If you have more questions that maybe he didn't answer, like where is your precincts, where should you vote, who's running, you can go to voteidaho.org. And then remember, tonight, News Talk KBY, live coverage for you of the primary election, 9 to 11 o'clock. Rick Worthington hosting in the studio. Nate Shellman will be live from the GOP Watch Party. We'll be talking to the candidates uh, that are running and getting the results as they come in tonight, 9 to 11 o'clock, from your official 2022 election station news talk. KBY, by the way, it will be covered on both 670 AM and 93.1 FM. We'll take a quick break. Final segment on the way. If you're on the line, stay right where you're at. We'll get to you coming up here next on News Talk KBY. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. The numbers tell the story. From Friday through 9.30 last night, there were 312 gun violence incidents in the U.S. where 127 people were killed, at least 294 wounded. 208-336-3700, pound 670 on your Verizon Wireless. Uh, You can email us, chris at kboi.com, mike at kboi.com. Curtis uh, writes in, says, all the news outlets seem to be hypocrites. If they really cared, they would go into the hoods of Chicago and do their reports from there. 
I guarantee more black lives are being taken there every week, maybe because it doesn't fit their agenda. Jan writes in, Jan in Boise says, wow, those 10 folks who died probably don't care if the crazy kid is charged with a hate crime or murder. It feels like we are in the 50s as far as equal rights go. John, Nampa, thanks for being patient. Good morning. You're on News Talk KBOI. Good morning. Uh, yeah, that last one of those emails put, hit the nail on the head. You know, it's the Black Lives Matter only matter as long as you can get some political uh, fuel out of it. But I was calling about the a couple other comments. One was the person who said that he this kid was given a, a weapon by his parents after he was documented to be a little bit loony and for Christmas. And is that a good idea? And then then they jumped the scenario and said, is it a good idea to give any kid a weapon for Christmas or a gun for Christmas? As if all kids are equal to and in the same uh, genre as this guy who is clearly insane. What? Why do? Why are we allowing that language to, as, as as citizens? Why are we allowing the narrative to be, to be changed on us? Yeah, this was not an innocent kid who just happened to make a mistake because he wasn't completely sure of right versus wrong. This was, you know, this was crazy, evil. Call it what you want. It was not innocent. It wasn't. No, it was. All right, happy, happy election day, and get out and vote. Go, Janice. We love you. Bye. Thank you for the call, John. Appreciate it. Blake and Caldwell, good morning. You're on News Talk KBY. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Blake. What's up? I, uh, I went in and I did my voting thing this morning. Good for you. Did you have to wait? And I, tell you, I was very disappointed to see that we had machines instead of paper ballots like we did two years ago. Had machines? Yep, they had voting machines, and uh, as been proven, you know, they're ripe and subject for fraud. And I just, uh, the truth is, I came real close to just turning around and walking out, but I didn't. I felt I needed to cast my vote. Now, how, how do these particular machines work? Do you do you flip levers? Is that what it is? No, it's not levers. It's a touch screen. Hmm. And quite truthfully, the way it's set up is very confusing. I mean, I, you know, were there were there people there to help you if you were if you had questions? Yeah, they had someone there to help you. But you know, the truth of the matter is, a paper ballot is the simplest and most secure. And to see these machines, like I said, just really upset me. It's the first time I voted Idaho. And had to use a damn machine. Mm. All right. Well, there have been problems with paper ballots in the past, too. You know that, right? Yeah, I know that, but nowhere near the amount of problems that we see with these electronic machines. I don't know. Do you remember Florida and the hanging chads? Oh, yeah. I mean, a whole election swung on those. That's that's Florida's problem. (laughs) Well, it was for the president of the well, yeah. United States. So. It turned out to be a, a pretty big deal back in 2000 for the presidential yeah. election. I was very disappointed, and the machines themselves, you know, are very confusing. And, uh, you know, I'm not a computer guru, and I, you know, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm thinking to myself, where's my shotgun? Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, now, that can get you in trouble. Uh, Blake, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, Glad you got out and voted today, and I'm I'm happy that you just didn't turn around and walk out. It's a good tip. Never shoot up a polling place. Yeah. All right, or that's, never shoot up at a bowling place. That's going to uh, do it for us today. We are done. It's going to be a long day, though, um, for Rick Worthington and Nate Shulman. Don't forget, primary coverage tonight. One place you're going to be able to get that news talk, KBOI, 670 AM, 93.1 FM. That coverage goes from 9 to 11 o'clock. And then, of course, tomorrow morning we'll be back giving you more of election results. Have yourself a great day. We'll talk to you in 20 hours.